Smartcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome, everybody, to another uh, episode of the Tokens Podcast, where we like get into it about Web3 and tell you all the things that you want to know. Uh, I'm here today with our co-host, Iris Ichishida. She is the CEO of Tokens, um, which is getting close to launch time. Uh, if anybody's interested, you can join the waitlist at tokens.com. That's T-O-E-K-E-N-Z.com. Uh, and if you are one of those early adopter, like uh, techie parent types that wants to give your kids a financial education and get them started off on the right foot in Web3, that's the place to be. Um, Iris, how you doing? Hey. <laughs> no, I'm good. All's well. I mean, it's I, I, the, you know, the meme of the startup founder where they like start the day top of the world and then slowly are brought down to their knees. <laughs> That's kind of me. And I'm somewhere in the middle right now. Okay. Well, you know, you got the, the weekend upon you. So hopefully you can recharge the old battery. Tell me something. Who are we talking to today? Oh, we are talking to the newest tokens team member, our CTO, Kevin Chaya. Kevin, say hey. Hello, hello, and hello again. Thank you for everyone. It's uh, it's good to be here. We're good so to excited have to have you. Yeah. Well, I'm excited too. Thank you. Where do we begin here? So I want to know so much about you. Um, I, I haven't met you yet in real life, IRL, uh, but I'm super excited to have you as part of Tokens. And I know that you've got um, a, a great backstory. And I'd love to hear more about like the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Chaha. Sure. I mean, I, this is an eight-hour podcast, right? So I'll try to squeeze this in in like a good seven and a half, hopefully. Uh, but um, yeah, the, the quick tidbits, I'm a 15-plus year post-production veteran. I dealt with video engineering in the post-production side. Um, in the probably the recent years, and I say recent years, which is the past maybe eight years, um, I worked with uh, Dolby, was an executive for Sony. And when I was an executive at Sony, I was dealing with um, gaming and VR. Uh, that's when the PlayStation VR just came out. So that got me really into like the gaming mode rather than just post-production. Um, and then from there, I actually started my own company. Um, I met these um, awesome uh, uh, couple of co-founders from this company called Merge, and they created a Merge Cube, which I'm showing on screen. But it's kind of like this foamy cubey device with unique QR codes on each end. And what you can really do is project augmented reality from it. So from a technology standpoint, I kind of loved it of just like, ooh, a tangible augmented reality thing. Um, and um, I said, hey, can I take one of these and take the software and kind of like build something? And uh, they're like, yeah, sure. And over the weekend, I kind of just messed with it, kind of played along, couldn't really think of it. But um, my wife is actually a school psychologist for the Burbank district. And lo and behold, we're both on the couch one day and she's venting to me about needing something to help assess kids um, uh, for her practice. And I'm just like, hey, I, I kind of think I have an idea here. So I kind of built something in augmented reality in the app, put, um, uh, gave it to her, put it into use. And um, she had two big hits right away. Um, Use it again and later on that week had another big hit, um, which is getting answers and stuff right away. 
And next thing you know, after a month and talking to her team and everything, I was suddenly an app developer myself. Um, so I think um, six months later, we had a full app built for social emotional learning. Um, and it's pretty much an app based for autism, mental health, language, and social skills. And um, I think three months after launch, it got acquired. So, um, uh, and through other means, I got everything back, but that's a whole different story. But um, yeah, because of that, um, that mantra of just like, hey, I kind of napkinned, uh, made an idea into a full-fledged uh, product. Um, I Sony brought me back for four contract stints um, with there, and I worked with Shark Tank. Um, and then Disney, I think all during COVID, I worked with their studio lab department, doing the same thing with all their partners. And um, uh, recently just finished a big contract gig uh, with GameStar, getting their streaming games on demand platform to live launch with a retail product. And then that's when I kind of uh, met Iris and uh, we started talking and now I'm here doing the same thing, but um, um, turning this nice NFT platform and um, putting, seeing all the other months and project elementals I could put into it as well. So very exciting times. And that's kind of like my big old story in a nutshell. So I condensed seven and a half hours to five minutes. I hope you can appreciate that and can uh, relinquish my skill. So where are you uh, coming to us from today? Where, where is your office or your place of residence? So I'm in Los Angeles. So I think I'm in the same area, just like okay. Iris. So I'm like a, a Valley, San Fernando Valley boy my whole life. So for those of you who are listening oh, to us wow. out there, it's a little north of Los Angeles. It's the Valley, air quotes. So, uh, but yeah, I've kind of worked in my studios my whole life. So where I'm at right now, it's like 30 minutes away from Burbank, which is where Warner Brothers and Disney is, and like 45 minutes away from uh, Sony. Well, 45 minutes on a good day, realistic yeah. <laughs> LA traffic, an hour and 20 minutes. So, all right. Yeah. Yes. We know. Yeah. <laughs> LA's, LA is never measured by, LA travels never measured by distance, always time. Yeah. And time is dependent on time of day that you're actually going to be making. That's the, the funny travel. That's the funny thing, right? Like, so if Iris and I meet up and Iris is like, where are you coming from, Kevin? And if I'm like, I'm coming from like Northridge or Culver City, she knows exactly how that's feels. Okay, so <laughs> it's lunchtime. So we're going to add 20 minutes to this. So you'll probably hear an hour and a half of like, yeah, you might as well add 10 more minutes. I'm definitely going to be late to whatever. So yeah, that's, that's, that's normal LA traffic right there. Right. And not, but not too far too from your old stomping grounds, Jeff. Right. Um, yeah. Sherman Oaks. Uh, I'm a Valley guy too. Lived mm. in the Valley for yeah, six years, something like that. Uh, Los Angeles for 20. Uh, well, almost 20. So I, you know, did my time. I know, know the place well. <laughs> Lived all over. Yeah. We well, mentioned LA traffic. I saw you flinch a little bit. So there's a little PTSD in there from that. So understandable. I remember like thinking, just sitting in my car thinking I'm not driving. I'm I'm getting in my car and getting in line. Yeah. And that's that's what the commute is like. You get in your car and then you just get in line. And you get in line, you wait to get onto the highway and then you you know, you go down the highway at a really slow speed and then you finally wait to get off and then okay, maybe it opens up for a little bit at you know, the last mile or whatever. But it's really just a, a protracted like long line waiting thing. And I remember thinking to myself, this has got to give. And what catalyzed that thought was you know how uh, LA has those like bird scooters, those little electronic scooters now? There's a couple mm -hmm. different brands like Lime and Bird and whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I love those things. Like the wind in my hair, you know, like to get out on the streets and have control and like whiz through stuff. Um, you know, I'm a real fast walker and I like to move quickly. And so I'm on that thing and I'm just like cruising down the road and I look down and I'm trying to get it to go as fast as it can. And I'm, you know, getting all like aerodynamic and stuff. And the max speed on those things is 17 miles an hour. My car 
My Mazda also tracks my average miles per hour. Wow. So it gives me a number, a readout to tell me on average, how fast do I travel? It's like one of the metrics that they give you for your fuel consumption data. Okay. And it is 16. (gasps) 16 miles per hour. Sometimes faster, sometimes most of the time much slower waiting in line on the commute. But 16 is the mean speed that I travel in my Mazda. So I'm thinking to myself, why? Why is it this way? Like. How much better of a place would the world be if all of us were just going down the 405 on those bird scooters? Like, ah, I yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, I mean, my whole thing is as well. It's just like every time the news talks about you know Tesla's update for you know automated driving, I'm like, man, I cannot wait. You know, until like we all just like have automated driving, and then like we could just sit in the car and play chess or get on yeah. our tokens app and like look at NFTs and play some stuff while waiting to go to the next thing because driving is just so terrible. It's depressing. A way to bring it's us so back terrible. to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and to further bring us away again, I can't wait for the pneumatic tube. I just want to like step into my luge and then whoop, yeah. I appear in Vegas or wherever, you know, we need to go. Yeah. Um, that's the next, that's the next step in evolution. I think it's like the closest we're going to get to teleporting, but we digress. Yeah. <laughs> Until Tokens announces uh, the new teleporting app, for somehow that's our technology just went to, and then we just did it. You've heard it here first on this podcast. You never know. People yeah. have probably made further journeys to find the right product market fit. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. So. Honestly, we're probably not that far off from the truth. You know, with the whole <laughs> onset of the, the metaverse, we are probably going to be traveling physically much, much less and uh, traveling in that cyber world much more frequently. Um, so, Hey, it's I coming. mean, it's as technologists here and me thinking, I mean, I showed Iris earlier some virtual production stuff I want to show in the tokens app, which was really cool. And I'm like, I could do that technology in my room. All there is, I mean, you can't see, oh yeah, in those boxes right there are full sets of green screen. And I'm like, yeah, I could do it right here using Amazon bot or Best Buy bot products. Like there's yeah. not, you don't need a big stage or stuff anymore. And I have the power right here. So it's pretty wild if you talk to this like three years ago that how different a three years can make, you know? So I think as time rolls on, technology gets better and better and better. And, and um, you know, once you start doing things in your house, the next thing you know, it's everyone's able has the power. And hey, the, I, I wouldn't throw some ideas out the window is what I'll say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what you did with Moment is so cool too, that the physical, by blending the physical and the augmented reality, uh, virtual reality, I guess it's, yeah, it's it's physical and virtual right. for an augmented reality result. It's it's so cool too, that you're using it to help people better connect, right? As opposed to we're more isolated in our digital worlds. So you're talking about social emotional learning tool that helps young people identify emotions like how do you how do you figure out something like that and how do you have what do you do to have the research and evidence to back something like that excellent question so you know one of the things of being an engineer is to analyze the problem right and try to reproduce the problem and i think that's like a developer's mantra right you tell me hey kevin i found a bug and we tried to reproduce it so that I know what the bug is, how to, how to make it, and then try to fix it. So with that kind of mantra, you go into the same problem here of just like, well, what's the problem areas and how do I create something that's a reproducible state so that you can always get an answer? So the problem in this essence was 
I have a problem. And this goes back to my wife, um, school psychologist. She goes, well, my job is to assess a child. And the first thing I said is, oh my gosh, we've been married for like 10 plus years. I know you talked to me during the dinner time. What does assess mean? And her thing is just like, you know, someone brings her into a classroom and says, I need you to evaluate a child. And then um, eventually it goes into a private assessment so that she can gather, gather data to make a a pretty much an assessment of like, is that, you know, is the child in the autistic realm? Does it, does it need some type of professional help? Go into that area. Obviously, I'm not the professional here. I can um, attest to that. But the key thing I heard is getting the child down to get the data. So I'm like, cool, what do you do? And she says, anything and everything is bring out board games, um, whatever the child attaches to. Maybe she's drinking out of a can. And for some reason, the child likes the can because of the colors or um, something relates at home. Whatever she could do to sit down and touch base with the child to bring out some key words for her to do her, her pretty much her job. So I'm like, okay, you need the kid to sit down and talk. Well, every kid likes an iPad, you know, and of course, um, technology and stuff is kind of taboo at school a little bit here and there because of the, well, the kid's always on the iPad. Why are they here? And I'm like, well, how about we piggyback off that with augmented reality and the merge cube, right? Because a kid has to hold it. And then as they move around, stuff pops up on every single side. And of course, then I said, well, what are you trying to bring out here? And she goes, I just don't want to bring out emotions. So I'm just like, well, kind of thinking like inside out, why don't we just like put an emotion on each side of the cube? So you have like happy, anger, sad, disgust. And I think we have five locked down. I'm like, hey, I need something for one more side. Give me an emotion that you need that's not, doesn't exist. And she goes, ooh, put boredom on there. So um, yeah, I built it with Unity, uh, put it in there and um, she put it to the test. And I think for the first child, she got um, three core things, which actually went to the research was um, getting someone to um, sit down and engage. So engagement, which I think the child got locked in for a good eight minutes, which is not unheard of, but for her, it's like, that was like the biggest win. And then, um, and then uh, response time, which is like giving responses what they want, which is then correlated to comments per session, which is the child giving verbiage of key words that she could use. So if they said, oh, that char character is lonely or, and, um, and then reflects back to the self, that's what moment does is, this, is, is having the child say things off the um, using projection, I think it would be the key word, is that character feels angry because that character's angry because they don't like um, um, their environment um, or they don't like school. And then the psychologist can then reverberate off of that, right? Which is like, oh, okay, well, why do you think they're angry at school? Well, they're angry at school because he doesn't have any friends like me. And then you see, you slowly piggyback off that. So it's using key emotions. And the great part about moment is each uh, emotion then goes into uh, six sub emotions. So like anger will branch into anger towards self, others, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So then they're able to dig, uh, uh, dig deeper so that the psychologist can then go, oh, how do you think that person feels? How do you think that person feels? And when the child gives more of the emotions, they're able to get things out. So one of the things uh, um, that I can't dig too much into the great details, but the one thing I'm just like, hey, I think we have an app here was around the second case. Um, they were brought in for, uh, I think the child was being brought in for being emotionally disturbed. But using the app, the um, uh, my wife eventually got to an emotion where it was um, the sad character. And, um, and, oh, why do you think that character is sad? And, oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't sad. I, I remember now, that was the first child. The second one was um, at the time for, um, um, like, fear, I had a, a skeleton. Because I built in a Unity, I used it with free assets, whatever. So at the time, it was like an idle skeleton moving, like, gingerly like this. Um, and I got rid of anything that correlates to 
um, death or skeletons or anything there. Obviously, building an app with uh, a school psychology, I had adhered to not only school rules, but a proper rule. So there's other ways you deal with loss in that area. But going back to that test demo, she's like, well, I don't want to be like that skeleton. And my wife goes, why? Well, like, well, that skeleton, um, um, yeah, that is my uncle because my uncle died a couple months ago. So my wife was able to dig deeper and to find out that um, the child's favorite uncle died two months prior. And since then, she's been lashing out and acting completely different in school. So to everyone else, this child just emotionally disturbed. Something's wrong with her. But no, this is just a proper PTSD thing. And so my wife was able to properly assess and let her go on the way for proper help. And I'm like, well, that's cool. So as an engineer, I'm like, well, two use cases is, is good. But as an engineer, I need hundreds. Like it's, it, it, that's how you denote whether there's something there. And besides, I've never been an entrepreneur or a product owner. I don't even know what to do. Um, but when we showed the app then to the Burbank district, all of them are just like, oh my gosh, this is great. Can it do this, 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 and this? And kind of getting all ideas down and putting um, everything down on paper. I'm like, I think I have a good idea for an app here. And that's the genesis of it. And then when the app launched prior to it being uh, acquired, um, I remember it, um, I kind of assessed the landscape. I'm like, oh, I'm seeing special education softwares for like 200 bucks, 300 bucks, whatever. This app's going to be $49.99, you know, and I'll be able to update it every couple months. And I launched it and I correlated with MergeCube and their marketing. They're like, I can't believe we have a $50 app. I'm like, yeah, because all the apps are like free or a buck. And it launched. And after a week, I had a grand total of five sales. And I was just like, and I knew like the four people that bought them. And I'm like, wow, that's not good for an app. And then when I dug deeper, and then this is where I learned the education sector, especially the special education sector of like, okay, well, you want to sell something this, you need to know, it needs to have data backed onto it. You have to prove to me that it works. I can't just say, I read this article over here or this article over here. And I kind of put that mantra in the app that it doesn't work like that. Education is like, prove to me that it works. So uh, so proof of what I did was um, the first thing I did was to create a poster, which is funny because um, that's like a college thing people do is the, a poster. And I never did one in college. I went to you know, computer science. You don't really do those. And or maybe you're I talking did, about I, like first, like for a science fair. Yeah, right? like a data poster. Like so what 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 we did was um, I said, I'm going to get it accepted into the California Association of School Psychology um, seminars, which is a once a year thing. And they required a poster. So what we wanted, we uh, finished a white paper, which was amazing. And part of that white paper was um, using the merge cube with professionals in five different areas from like um, high income to very low income to kind of establish a baseline. Um, and um, actually that data correlated all the way to the the patent, which is a whole nother long story. But the big key is that um, once we got the poster done, which showed the key things of the immersion time, response time, and the comments per session, and we put that on a poster and showed up, I will never, ever forget that the posters got accepted. So I was excited. So we went to, I think, Anaheim, put the poster, and I'll never forget laughing because I see a whole bunch of like school psychologists, college students around me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I was only in my, my, my mid-30s, but I felt so old already. But the coolest thing is that I remember the first person came up and said, what is this? I'll buy it right now. And I'm like, there we go. That's key. Like I show, I proved that it worked. And then obviously, um, then I stepped it up to go into a couple conventions with that data and showing off nonstop data where eventually got clinical um, study in two areas. One of them was um, Morgan's Academia in San Antonio. It's like a, a theme park, but also a, a, a special education academy as well, which I think there's a video on, on, on Facebook regarding a nice demo where they showed non-communicative children communicating actually with using Moment, which was the coolest thing ever. Um, and clinical studies is always a, uh, approved as well. 
Um, and then once we got it to patent pending, um, attached with the white paper on the data, then it was, you know, then it was gung ho. And then uh, my first, I think I served, I brought 50 cubes to my first convention at the National Association of School Psychology. And I think I sold them out within four hours. I, w- I didn't have any cubes on me. And um, then I was like, okay, I have a hit here. And obviously um, the company I was talking to, you know, we talked about full blown acquisition. So um, I know data, I know education section, anything, but the biggest thing is, is I have the empathy to understand and not placate it where uh, it's very key and understand as well. So of course, when I hear an amazing product like tokens uh, come to me and I had the awesome opportunity to join on board, I feel I can bring a ton of that uh, to the table, uh, especially when um, dealing with data and security and whatnot as well. Yeah, you you mentioned having to pivot a little bit in the design when you uh, you know about mm. the skeleton aspect of it. Mm. Were there any other challenges or lessons that you learned in bringing that to market, uh, mm. specifically about like working with kids or developing an app for children and families? I mean, exactly. I mean, one of the things obviously I need to do is make sure the approval. So you know, yeah, having a skeleton, or I think I had for anger was um, um I got a free character of like an angry soldier with a, a toy soldier with a sword, and it was a very mm. cartoony thing. But to me, I didn't think anything of it too but to my wife in the school she goes no he has holding a weapon you cannot have that we need to do anger in different ways um so i would say adhering to user focus testing is very very key um which uh which of of course i'm going to piggyback off tokens which we're doing here of just like iris and i aren't just saying what we feel you need we're getting all our feedback off the users so not only of of parents but also of children as well because we want to make a product that is not only in safe and enduring but also um, that's something that they want to use, you know? So the same thing with moment, I built it so that it's great. It's children safe and whatnot as well, but also the user, where it be a parent or a, prof- a professional that they go, this is not only a safe product, but a fun product. I want to use this, you know? And then, you know, to, to answer the uh, second half of like do, making it safe compliant was, okay. The one thing I cannot do is, is, is send data in and out of the actual user itself. So being, you know, COPPA compliant, which is just like, Hey, like, you know, I can't send out, you know, Kevin H5 just said that he's emotionally disturbed or something like that. Like there's nothing like that. So I had to make sure that there's no data. So going in and out. So moments, a very static concentrated app, which obviously there's rules in place you can do to deal with data. But me being a solo developer, there's only so much these, these two hands can do. So, um, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, the big answer to that is adhering to, user focus, like your target audience, knowing, understanding, and knowing where they're using it at. So I mentioned earlier that Tokens is about to do its soft launch and release the app to those people on the wait list. Um, and we're going out there, you know, I'm, I'm in marketing, right? So I'm going out there and I'm trying to get people that are interested in helping us to learn the lessons, right? And to make sure that we uh, develop an app that's working for our users. So we're opening up an opportunity for those waitlisters to go in there, get into the app and give us their feedback. Uh, and we're going to open up a section of the discord page just for these, these early users that are helping us, uh, you know, design the best app possible. My question to you is knowing that we're doing this and we're going to have this period of time where we're getting a lot of feedback. Like what is your process? What do you do with that feedback once you have it? Oh yeah. So, um, you know, I think what we're going to do is probably do, you know, at the end, like normal surveys, what we want to do, but what we want to do is fine tone what everyone's thinking after they use it. Right. So we want to make sure we button down the economics of it. Then we want to make sure that everyone feels safe and that, 
also that we have a big education portion as well that that making sure that you're not lost in the app that you don't go into and go what am i supposed to do what does this app do that makes sure that we have uh, proper indications that they're able to flow linearly through it um and then afterwards being able to um migrate through the marketplace and and use other features and they're perfectly fine so um that's the things we want to do for the you know for the initial launch and i think we'll, we're even gauging that now with the with some of the small testers we do have now. So we are very extremely positive walking in is that you're going to come in this and know that when you use it, it's not just you're in a survey and it gets backlogged into some spreadsheet somewhere that it's going to be compared to all the other surveys we have. And plus the notes that we're already walking into it and we're going to find Komen. Um, and um, so that when we do launch it, that your ideas and thoughts and everything's were are put into and fine comb tuning um, this awesome product. Yeah, I think that's going to be a high touch review and um, uh, a, a process where we really are adapting the app to the needs of the users, right? When when Kevin talks about the survey, yes, it will be, um, I don't know, wait, wait, I'm like speaking as a guest here, but I just wanted to augment <laughs> here and say, yeah, you know, the, the survey itself, I think, um, can be... Uh, is in line with what how we're positioned with tokens, right? The survey is going to be um, very much gathering as much info oh, as possible. You know, free form video fields where people can can um, leave uh, video messages or video feedback. You know, um, questions that are are hopefully narrated in audio or or video themselves to make it really accessible to even our youngest of users. Yeah, I, I, I'd say the big answer is though everyone that's on the waitlist that's gonna have the early access, and we deem it the term early access because it's not a beta. It's not, hey, can you bug test for us? No, no, no. Like we're launching this of just like, hey, the core 1.0 platform is done, and guess what? Now it's the fun part where we get to add a whole bunch of games and different content into it. So it's just like, let us know how things are going, and we just need to button up some fine tuning thing, which now we need. Just like I did with Moment, right? Which is like, hey, here's the app, but you need, like, that's where my wife comes in. Is like, we got to get rid of the skeletons, the swords. Like, oops, like, you know, find, we change it to this way because this adheres to these rules or this is what we want to see instead. And there's only so much that Iris and I and a couple people can answer it. This is where we open up to the people that are excited about the app, that they want to use it and go, I would love to see this and that. And if anything, as an early access member, you should tell us some of the product roadmap stuff that you want to see. Like, hey, I kind of want to see this too because of X or because of Y. Maybe there's a third party thing you use, or maybe it's something you've always had on the top of your head that you want to use. And especially that it's fine tuned um, for kids. It's just like, hey, this is now your voice. Like, this is your platform now. What do you specifically want to see? You know, what do you want to do? And we're going to take that in there and put it in our product roadmap. That's wonderful. And um, we're paying a lot, of, very close attention to that initial cohort of early access um, users that come in. And forever, they will be known as that cohort of early access users and will have a loud voice in that conversation, helping us to choose the direction the token goes in the future. Yep. For our listeners, the parents out there, those who are perhaps new to Web3 technologies, what would you say are key features for them to be looking out for in products that are safe, that are research and evidence-based, mm -hmm. or that um, adhere to the different privacy standards that are set forth by COPA, KRU, GDPR, and these other regulatory governmental bodies that you're familiar with working with, with Moment? 
Yeah, you know, so, I mean, that becomes a long conversation uh, right there. But the one thing I will say is that, you know, when you're dealing with apps and kids, especially um, um, in, that we're trying to introduce NFTs, is there's a good safety pillow that needs to understand where, like, I, I need to understand right away that when I use this app that it's safe, that I can trust it, you know. So we're making sure through, you know, that the proper signups are done that child children can't just openly come in and manipulate nfts or build stuff or if anything if you're a, a customer spending money on it that your money isn't being um doused in some hacking scandal whatever so that's why i said like when you're getting this the core the, the core elements are done meaning like the back end the security and everything that's that's locked in that's that's where we're adhering to, to the top part so that's why i said the fun part's coming out with all the fun content because that's next i'm like you could just we spent the whole time doing the the back end, getting it secured, making sure that the proper sign up that a, a parent is known that if you're um, uh, on a certain age that you know you, you have to do a, a parent sign up and uh, that they're aware and educated of what the platform is and what you can and cannot do on it. And I think that's the most important parts right right there. And making sure too, especially with you know, unfortunately, there's some there's been some you know like FTX and the, some crypto scandals, whatever. You just got to be transparent, you know. So. We just got to make sure um, as a, a, a company and, and tokens, which we're adhering to, which is making sure that we're transparent of knowing like, hey, this is what you're getting into. This is what it does. And by the way, are you interested in knowing how we did it and how the rules and making sure that we publicly uh, publish that out? So when your child comes to you and is like, dad, I want, I want this app or I want to do this on this app, what are the criteria, even if it's just like a moment's you know, thought? that go through your mind to whether or not to give her the permissions that she's asking for. Okay. I have to do two answers right away. My personal preference is how loud is this app and will it annoy me? Uh, <laughs> it's probably like the first thing that comes to my head. And then the second thing of course is like, wait, how much is this going to cost? Whichever, because now, you know, every app is different where there's like free apps versus like a pay per month app, whatever. But really I just, you know, as a parent, I just need to know what exactly are you using? And, you know, is this something you're talking to other people and I dig in. So, you know, knowing that mantra of just like, oh, you're, you know, like, you know, if I didn't know what Roblox was, let's just use Roblox as an example of just like, hey, Roblox, guess what you can do? You can spend money and buy stuff. And also you can go in there and talk to random people. And how does that work? So um, using that mantra of just like onboarding that, we want to make sure we also do that with tokens, which is like, hey, you're going to be onboarded. You're going to be talking to um, you know, and playing with these other people and whatnot in a marketplace with these other users, same kind of mentality of, of doing that. So when I go into apps, I kind of broach it the same way of just like, you know, besides the, is it going to be a loud app, whatever, but like, what's it going to cost me? And like, who are you, or are you even talking to anybody? Um, so that's the way I broach it. And, you know, we, I, I put that same mantra in with tokens as well. Yep. Yeah. It's really so hard to keep up, Iris. Um, I've got, you know, three kids. Two of them are app using age and they use a lot and they want new apps almost every single day. So it is tough to keep up. One thing that uh, my wife and I put into place was um, within within iOS, you can set up set it up so in the app store on their iPads, they can't just download anything mm -hmm. that all they can do is request that the parent uh, give them permission. So set, the button says, ask permission mm -hmm. instead of get, and that will notify us. And we get a lot of those, right? Um, and it's, it's hard to keep up with all of them. So you do need to maintain like sort of a list of criteria. Unfortunately, step one is usually no, 
like the policy, the first policy is just deny the first request because if they're really serious about it and they, you know, they've done their own research and they really want it, they won't give up so easily. If they do give up after the first no, let's just file it under. They didn't need that. Right. So if they, if they persist and they really want us to take a look at it, then we do go into kick the tires mode. And as a parent, I'm concerned, yeah, about safety. Yeah. Are they going to have access to like strangers in this app? Are there chat functions in this app? Um, are there in-app purchases in this app? All these things go through and, you know, we do do the due diligence before we make the decision. And the hardest thing to do that I think is really necessary is that when you finally break and get the app on that initial, um, you know, launch and playing with it, you got to sit there and go through it with them to see what the experience is really like to see what you've gotten into. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think like tokens has a leg up on everything else. Cause it's really designed to be, uh, you know, interactive between the parent and the child. Um, and, and so many of these apps are just geared for kids and it's, you know, it's hard to sit there and, and watch it um, and get through it. Um, and you have no idea why, you know, your kids are interested in it. And then you question them. You're like, what are you doing with this garbage? All that stuff. Like that will never happen with tokens. Uh, tokens, that that onboarding, that first onboarding between parent and child is going to be a really great opportunity to you know, let, let tokens shine with all the safety, all the protocols and the, and the benefits that, that that sort of screen time is going to have with their kid. And that's where I, as a parent, would be very much convinced. Yeah, it's amazing how persuasive they are. I mean, my my oldest at six is in, is in, was incredibly tenacious about getting her first copy or her first app installation of Minecraft, and it was all because of everything she's heard about it from her friends and her 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 at school. And <clears throat> you know, there's a big part of me that you know, if if her friends are doing it, you know, maybe there's kind of indirect parent parental pressure in addition to the pressure that's coming directly from her. But we, we also want our children to be able to experience a virtual community or a be in community virtually with their friends. It's a part of how they, they live and interact and have their friendships now. And so if there's a way to do it that's safe and also productive, where maybe you can walk away with a piece of what you're putting your time into, mm-hmm. seems... You know, it seems like a, a a win for me as a parent, but I'm I'm new to this. You know, I'm ex- I'm exploring this, and I'm trying to navigate what it's like. I mean, I've got so you've got the three and two of iPad age, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm I've got one entering into that phase, and I'm just trying to figure out, you know, when do I get her involved? When do I get her her own iPad? You know, and, yeah. and they don't have to share anymore. And what apps do I? you know, furnish that iPad with it. They're all, these are all really tough decisions. And I don't think there's a right answer. I just think we can communicate with each other to find, to, to hear from one another's experiences, to be able to be, to be better informed, to make the individual family experiences that we all have to individual family, um, choices that we have to make. Do you guys, do you guys mind if I give a really nerdy response right now to both of you? Um, so by as, all means, as an engineer, what I just hear from both of you right now is that both of you have kids and both of you approach with your kids in different ways. Some, some similarities are a bit different there. And I took, I just listened to that right now. And I think approaching that, to, that's the approach I'm, I have to deal with tokens, right? It's just like every parent is going to approach this in a different way. Some parents are going to be like, like you said, Jeff, and this is what I do. I'm like, nope, you have to ask permission to download the app because I just want to see it. And you know what? I'm a pretty lenient parent. 
of course, again, I'm going to say if it's loud, I don't want it. But, uh, you know, I, I'll buckle if she says it four times that she wants it. But the biggest thing is like, yeah, and there's some parents that are just like, I don't want to hear it, you know, because I'm like, I trust my child. If they want to download, they download it. I got to balance the difference between those two. Um, so, you know, it's it's interesting hearing you, Jeff, and Iris, like, explain of like how you, you know, like, and Iris is to be like, are you even, do, you, do I even trust you with even the iPad? You know, and, and mm-hmm. you know, so it's interesting in this, in this you know, this this time we live in right now of everyone's parental skills and also dealing with this technology boom and whatnot as well. But, you know, just hearing these two examples right here is is exact mantra of how we're doing with tokens, right? Which is like, and this is the proper thing of early access. Like, how are you accessing the app? You know, are you doing it where you have free range to just download it? Or are you doing where the parental's acting permission? So we're getting all that data and feeding in here so that when everyone has the app, they're experiencing the same thing at most the same thing as everybody else, but two, they're getting the uh, the proper thing from every angle, whether it's that the kid's just trying to sign up alone and it's like, hey, you're able to download and every sign up, but you need to go talk to a parent before you do the next steps here. Or is it the reverse where, yep, thanks to parent for downloading. By the way, this is what tokens is. This is what they're going to do and check out what we're going to do in the future. So that's the stuff we're doing and it's an exciting time. So don't, don't mind if I took the nerdy data approach and then <laughs> flipped it into a nice uh, tokens marketing uh, uh, ploy right there. <laughs> I, I, I have That's a, why you're here. Yeah, I know. It's great. And I have a, I have a companion nerdy regulatory comment on that. You know, it's so it, I have to always be reminded that that COPA and other regulations that are intended to protect the privacy of of under age, you know, under 13 users in a digital world, they the flip side of all of this regulation is that they also want to enable the young people to be able to do what they are able to do, what they do have permission to do. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's another fine balance between, okay, let's get the child as far as they can on their own. Let's digitally enable them to access the things that they want. And then at that point, let's, let's motivate the parent or let's involve the parent or let's get the necessary verifiable parental consent for them to do things that that do need that kind of permission mm-hmm. right so it's it's both sides of that coin it's the privacy and the protection but then it's also the enabling of little people of little people of little of young people to start really engaging in these kinds of technologies exactly yeah I, you know i think it's fair to say that I all I guess I'm not gonna speak for everybody, but my wife and I struggled early on with the whole: Do you allow them access? How long do you hold it back? Right, keep them, keep the iPad away from the kid, or keep the screen away from the kid. There's all this talk about you know early brain development and all all this stuff like this. So you you know you're constantly trying to figure it out and navigate those waters so difficult, verging on impossible to keep it, you know, out of their hands until like they're five years old or whatever the, the old recommendation was. I think it's fair to say at this point that like resistance is futile Mm -hmm. and it's actually more important that for this generation of, of digital natives to get them in and get them educated and help them learn to navigate those waters because, uh, that it's just going to be the future that they're living in. And if you withhold it, I almost feel like that is the worst choice now because so many of their cohort are going to have that time advantage over them that when they finally do get access and they're just like on the learning curve of learning how to even touch 
touch and navigate the screens like like Roblox screens or whatever, or a mouse. Or, or what, you know, if you really do keep that away for so long, they're going to be very far behind that. I almost feel like it's slingshotted in the other direction. Does that ever occur to you guys? Well, you like know, now it might be worse. Well, I mean, going back to moment when it was first, you know, when I got the Merge Cube in my hands and I, mm-hmm. I um, you know, the whole iPads and phones, we try to stay away from it because it's taboo. Their kids are on it, um, you know, regardless. But I'm like, but you got to understand. And, I, and, you know, I think we were talking about this maybe even before the podcast started was about, you know, technology and innovation. Right. right? Oh, we we're talking about it during it. Right. Of just like innovation is we're just. I, we're just at the touch. I mean, look at what Chat GPT just just did just like a month ago. Yeah. You know, it totally just threw a a whole wrench in the whole education sphere. So with this one, I'm just like, well, yeah, it's kind of taboo, but embrace what technology brings. So if the mer- this merge cube augmented reality helps and create a moment to here, I don't see why you use this for tokens. And if the, yeah, there's NFT platforms, but it could be made in a safe way, in a very educational way that can then not only um, expose uh, the, the child to like the newest, latest innovative craze, but also get let, get them involved. You know, like you shouldn't have to wait till you're in college and take an NFT class to learn about getting into NFTs or you shouldn't That's have to I'm then, saying. yeah, you shouldn't have to then, you know, take a hundred dollars to buy some NFT out in the wild and, what are you going to learn besides just possession of it? Like you should learn like how that NFT, what's the creation process? What does it mean to be in the ecosystem and everything else? So tokens has a perfect opportunity on there. So yeah, it's going to work on as a mobile app and everything, but uh, you know, the whole thing, it doesn't have to be taboo. Um, it's what thing is like, Hey, because of this and the NFT and blockchain technology, we're going to show you all the, 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 you know, we're, instead of just showing you the Thanksgiving dinner, we're going to show you how to make it and how to get the, the ingredients, you know, and what stores to get it from. And, and I think that's the key part of this. And, and to yeah. kind of, I think that'll answer your question a little bit right there, Jeff. Good answer. Agreed. Agreed. I think some, some good, um, ad, advice here, maybe not advice. I think some good feedback here, right. From parents who are from real life parents who are navigating, who are, you know, entertainment content, technologically savvy, but who are also just navigating on a very personal level what it means to get their kids digitally literate. And especially with these new technologies that are emerging and that will continue, in my opinion, to revolutionize every aspect of our digital and virtual lives. So I I hope this was valuable to our listeners. I hope that if you are listening to this, you have gone to tokens.com, T-O-E-K-E-N-Z.com to join the wait list and to, in order to get early access to our app, as well as an exclusive limited edition digital collectible. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. If our listeners want to contact you, how do they find you? Oh my goodness! Um, you go, I could probably put my my Twitter feed. You can find me on Twitter at um, el underscore chaka c h a k k a. Um, I keep that actually. I'm very education focused on there, so my pin tweet is actually a demo uh, to moment. But um, once we go launch in here, you're going to see a lot more token stuff on there. So reach me on Twitter, <laughs> or you could probably email me too at kevin at tokens.com as well. Yep. Yes. And you guys can follow the Tokens podcast. Find us anywhere that podcasts are distributed. And you can see the video portions uh, on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook, Meta. Um, so, yeah, look us up, T O E K E N Z, and uh, Tokens podcast. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Kevin Chaya. Yes, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from you. 
And thank you for listening to the Tokens Podcast. I'm Iris, and it was a pleasure. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.